this is Everyday Leaders. I'm your host, Melanie Ake. Everyday Leaders is an inspirational show to help you develop strategies to overcome everyday obstacles in your life. Today's guest will share the disciplines that he practices every day that allows him to achieve a life of success. Today's Everyday Leader reminds us to stay true to your own core values and how this lesson can help you discover your purpose. His simple techniques are one that you can apply every day to live your life with success. Steve Gielda is my guest today. Everyday Leaders 50 and 50, show 20 starts now. Welcome to the program, Steve. Well, thank you for having me, Melanie. Yeah, I really am excited about this interview because you came to my life through a job that I had in a a medical field, and our whole position in the company was to try to influence the sales teams and change their behaviors. And and you were part of an organization that came in as a consultant company uh, called Ignite Selling. And man, I really connected to your message and how we were going to help change these behaviors. And so um, thank you for being such an influence, a powerful influence in my life, because what you taught me is what I now use in my everyday life to look at anything that I purchase or anything that I do. <laughs> and it's the truth. <laughs> you can ask anybody around me. Um, but your, your whole purpose in life is to identify and create value. And so I want to tell people today, um, as they get to know you about your personal journey in creating value in your own life, and in your journey um, and how you've become really intentionally successful. So uh, thank you very, very much for being a guest, and I cannot wait for this experience. So anyway, <laughs> so, so thank you. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, it, uh, it's so great. So um, I know that you're in the middle of a move right now. You said you, you are moving to Texas, right? We are, yes. Uh, my my wife is, in fact, down there now, living in a rented home while I try to sell the home here in Virginia. And uh, we've decided to make the move down there to be closer to our only daughter and her husband and uh, our new grandchild on the way uh, that's going to be uh, expected to be born on August 20th. Oh. So we are just thrilled. Good just for you. Thrilled. Good for you. That's wonderful. Big changes coming on in your life, right? Just Lots of, yeah. lots of changes. <laughs> so what would you say uh, is the biggest? So, well, I'll just start in with a leadership lesson, right? So your biggest sure. trade-off right now is you're giving up a lot to kind of develop what you want in your future. Well, that's, that's an interesting way to look at it because um, on, on a professional standpoint, not much really changes. As an entrepreneur, I get the opportunity to kind of live and work wherever I want. Um, but, yeah, on a personal note, yeah, lots of changes. My wife and I have been married for 30 years, and uh, right out of college, we, we both took jobs here in northern Virginia and set, set down roots. And now we've decided to go ahead and, and make some changes. Up until this point in time, our furthest move was 11 miles, and we've moved three times in 30 years. Wow. Uh, this one's about 1,100 miles. <laughs> so wow. uh, it's, it's a little bit of a change for us. And I think the hardest part for us and, uh, is, is just starting over again, mm-hmm. starting over again with uh, a new community, a new life, uh, new people, um, new church. Uh, not having the infrastructure and the support that we have here 
for anything that we needed uh, and having to build that infrastructure uh, in, a, in a new city. Mm-hmm. And uh, that brings both some anxiety, but also brings some excitement. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that one of the things that is driving us is kind of a fundamental lesson I learned a long time ago and continue to try to push into the younger youth in this world is the, is the key to be adaptable. I think adaptability is, a, uh, is one of those leadership principles that individuals uh, must learn. People with high levels of adaptability often make great and much better leaders um, and much better kind of um, co-workers and friends uh, because those are the individuals to whom are willing to see an opportunity or see a challenge and not look at it in a singular manner but also be willing to say, okay, what can I glean from this? What's the, what are these changes? What are the opportunities that, that present itself for me? Mm-hmm. And so uh, we're kind of looking at this, kind of eating a little bit of our own cooking here and uh, <laughs> saying, hey, it's time, it's time to be adaptable. Yeah. And um, it's time to let go of uh, so much that we've, that we've had here for the last 30 years and um, be adaptable and be open to, uh, to change. I think that's a great lesson because, you know, so many of us may fear those things of if we push ourselves outside of this comfort zone, that it's really going to have to, that's going to pull us in a lot of ways and it's scary. And so some people may not make that decision to go and move. They may have not made that choice and put those actions in place. So I applaud you for that because not everybody can do that. And yeah. Well, I think what's interesting is what you just said there is that, yeah, fear is, is often, often one of those things that causes tremendous limitations in, in choices and in life. And uh, the moment that we can be, be kind of overcome the anxiety or the fear of change, uh, new things can really start to happen. Mm-hmm. And you'll, you'll find that life can actually be in a much, much sweeter, sweeter place at times. <laughs> Sometimes the door opens for you when those things happen and and it's kind of, you've prepared yourself, you know, through, and I know, I know you pretty well, but the things that you've done in life that have given you, you know, that strong consistency to give you that awareness of where you are, what your purpose is, kind of, you know, how you're contributing to others, all of those things have really brought that confidence to say, Hey, if I'm going to go through change, I can at least lean back on the things that I do know about myself. Right. Um, and no doubt that's the key. And I think in, in helping us understand, you know, just from a personal level, like what are those things that you do that you fall back on that as you start to take this journey and, and are changing, you know, getting involved in a new environment, a new church, a new um, system, a new neighborhood. Mm-hmm. What are the things that you look for in people that will be your mentors and be your, you know, your, your key um people that you want to surround yourself with? What do those look like? Yeah. Well, you know, that's kind of a very big question. And I think that, I think a lot of it, um, a lot of those traits that I think I would look for in people that um, can, can, can make this kind of change are those people to whom are really well planned, really well thought out. Um, the change can become um, an easier thing to accept when, in fact, you are prepared for whatever change may come. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's face it, we all, in life, 
we're thro- things are thrown at us that are sometimes very, very difficult that we didn't expect to happen in our lives. Mm-hmm. And we need to be able to uh, grow from those and learn from those and that stuff. But, you know, we're all going to react to changes depending upon what they are in our lives in very, very different ways. But when, when you know that change is, is coming, if you can prepare for that, and then you can learn from how others have done it. I think that you'll find that the going through that change is going to be a lot easier. So being prepared is absolutely going to be something that's really uh, going to be important. I think the other thing is 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 having a foundation of people to whom uh, can support you during that change, mm-hmm. uh, whatever that might be, whether it be something personal in life or whether it be maybe in your profession. But having that core community, that core group of people, whether they be mentors of yours or just friends of yours that you can trust, but leaning on those types of individuals that can simply say, hey, this is, this is what's going to, you know, you need to remember these little fundamentals. I'll give you just a quick little story. Um, our daughter's been happily married now for four years and new baby on the way, and they, they're, they're doing fantastic. But when she told us she was getting married, it was it was told actually almost to this week um, four four years ago, and she kind of gave us a notice that uh, I'm getting married six weeks in Portugal. Uh. <laughs> and my wife and I are looking at each other, we're going, "What?" <laughs> and all, all these questions are going through her head about why now? You know, is she pregnant? And all these yeah. other kind of crazy <laughs> things. And uh, and the answer is. No, she had a whole big justification as to why she wanted to do it, when she wanted to do it, and why she wanted to do it this way. And her husband's from Portugal. And um, as a father, I was angry. I was very frustrated because it wasn't what I kind of envisioned for my daughter was to go, you know, we wanted a big family wedding and, you know, in the church and all this stuff. And and it it didn't seem like that's what was going to happen at the time. So I had six weeks to kind of get my head wrapped around this, but I actually only had about 24 hours before I was going to have the opportunity to talk to my daughter face-to-face, and another 48 hours after that, talk to my future son-in-law for the first time, so through Skype, because he was already in Portugal. Thank God for technology, right? (laughs) Yeah, right, right. My emotions were all over the place, and so this is this is one of those things that you're thrown. Hey, this is a change. Your daughter's getting married in six weeks, and it's not going to happen the way that you kind of envisioned your only daughter to to get married. And so we had some very quick time to, have to think about that. But this is this the reason I share this story is because it kind of goes back to the importance of having people in your life to whom can guide you through this change this this news of shock somebody's saying are you kidding me <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and so though i was very frustrated by this news as as maybe some of folks listening to this would be overjoyed by the fact that their daughter's getting married in six weeks it was very frustrating to me so i turned to people that i have in my life that, that are very important to me and the first person i actually turned to was my pastor mm-hmm. And he gave me the best advice was simply just saying, Steve, don't worry about how people come to the altar, how they end up getting married. Just help them stay married. 
keep them at the altar. Mm-hmm. Great lesson. And um, great lesson. And it would be advice that I will always try to impart upon others. Because as he said, he goes, Steve, I've known people to whom I've been engaged for 10 years. They got married and they got divorced within two. But I've also known people who've known each other for two weeks and have been married for over 50 years. So he says, don't worry about how they come to the altar. Help them, help them stay there. Mm-hmm. So, but that just goes to show you that having people in your life can help you manage change and help you uh, see the blessings and see the joy in it so that I was able to have a conversation with my daughter without this frustration and this anger or, you know, the, 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 the shock of it all. I was actually able to enjoy uh, the conversation with my future son-in-law without saying, are you out of your freaking mind? What are you doing? You know, so, but I was, uh, you know, I was able to really kind of get my head wrapped around this. And he, you know, my son, my friend of mine gave me, uh, it was actually my brother, I think, gave me the advice. He said, Steve, just remember, the first couple of words that you say to your daughter and your future son-in-law will be words they'll remember forever. Yep. So that was just, you know, those were things that people in my life kind of helped me through change. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for us to have those. Well, in communication, you know, I know you, you teach about this professionally, but mm-hmm. um, being able to communicate those things that will change behavior is critical. And so as you, as you teach it, you've written about it, and now you're you're actually going through it, right? And so the yeah, interesting absolutely. part is you can evaluate that experience and reflect on it um, and really be able to, to share that with others to say, look, if you're going through this, um, let me tell you what I learned. Um, so now you're kind yeah. of that mentor uh, to the family. So that's uh, thank you for sharing that. That's personal and sure. um, very important. I think you know, you're not the only one <laughs> that may have experienced this type of situation. And um, and probably, you know, people have different views on it. And, you know, maybe it's it's kind of this law that I teach of, you know, this law of the mirror and the law of reflection. And, and we think about mm-hmm. what we believe is kind of what we project, right? And so right. it's hard to step back and say, but what is the circumstance? And then how do I need to kind of work through this so that I have a better attitude about it and so that I can really, you know, begin to to have a different belief maybe about it and a belief about myself. So what it's, what it really sounds like is you had the right mentors in your life to have that right perspective. And that is, that's really critical. Well, I think it also says that, yes, you need to have those people in your life, but you also have to be willing to accept the advice to which they give you. Mm -hmm. And that kind of goes back to that being willing to be, to listen, but also be adaptable. Mm -hmm. Because I, I very well could have listened to what these mentors in my life had stated but simply chosen not to take their advice or not to heed it or not to let it sink in before I reacted. Mm-hmm. So I think that it does require us to be able to listen and to adapt to, the, to what, our people, what those people in our lives are, are telling us. Mm-hmm. So, so let me ask you just, a, just kind of a question here about inspiration. You know, you have done some things professionally that really inspire um, a lot of organizations, but what inspires you? You know, I think what uh, what inspires, what actually inspires me is seeing the growth in others, uh, whether it be professionally or personally uh, or spiritually. Mm-hmm. Um, when I see people change from where they were to where they are today, mm-hmm. inspires me in, in, a, in a great manner. And um, I hope that I can be that inspiration to people in all aspects of their lives, 
professionally, what I like to see people do is to change behavior just as we have when we've worked together from what they were doing to what they maybe need to change to in order to have better business results. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and there's always that metric that simply says, are we in fact having impact on the sales organizations to which we work with? And it's fun to watch the behaviors change and then begin to watch the revenues change behind it. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that inspires me professionally. On a personal note, I could be coaching basketball uh, to the youth in our neighborhood and our youth in our area and uh, watching them kind of come together as a team instead of just a group of, of individual ball players uh, who are all very talented, but watch them come together and work together as a team is a great inspiration. It inspires me because you not just see top talent, but you see top talent working together. Mm-hmm. And when people are on their on maybe a personal journey in their faith, if I can inspire people to, um, you know, have more trust, have more faith, that uh, and and to to lean on their faith when difficult times are happening, and then they come back and they tell me a story. Steve, I was really going through this real difficult time, but I I took the time to lean on my faith, and this is what I got out of it. I think those are other things that inspire me. So watching people change, watching people grow, is what really inspires me. Well, and you're such a great coach because you you really get this from the core. And I'm just going to plug your your whole company right now, but Ignite Selling takes people through a process of value. And and I said at the beginning, I do use this all the time because you really try to help people understand it's not about a product, it's about a process and how you believe. And um, and so what I've learned through, you know, really being connected to you is how important that is. And when you get that, uh, you your life changes. It's kind of like when they say, when you believe it, you know, you find your why, you find your purpose. But what you have been able to put together, and I and I know this from you personally now, it's the core of how you live your life. And you've expressed that in a way that you can communicate that now to business owners. But it really changes their whole dynamic. Um, if it's just a simple process of identifying, you know, what would life be like without this? Right, it's kind of that takeaway. <laughs> and well, you know, I really appreciate you saying that, Melanie. Uh, I think that one of the things that really kind of drives that is, um, in which which it's kind of fun for me is is the whole notion of challenging people's conventional thinking. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that good leaders today don't accept status quo from individuals. Our job as a leader, as a mentor, as a friend, sometimes requires us to just ask a question to which challenges the conventional wisdom of what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm spending time coaching right now uh, a, a young girl recently out of college who has been working now for four years and is looking to make a career change and a, and a change out to the West Coast. And she comes and she she may complain about what's currently happening or some difficult things that may be happening at work. And sometimes challenging her thinking or, or holding a mirror up in front of her that simply says, how much of this is you? Uh, may not always be well received, but when an individual kind of gets a chance to think a little bit about it or to look at, this, look at a problem differently, all of a sudden value is, is established. And, and it, so, it's um, critical. It's and, and, and yeah. if people haven't gone through this process, it is 
it's pretty simple, but as you learn it, it becomes more familiar. It's like anything else. You know, when you start something, it, it you don't know how the pieces all fit together. You may have the edges of the puzzle, but you don't have the inside <laughs> and you don't know where all, where all the shapes go. But once right. you start practicing, you know, it's like reflection. It's like getting a journal and every morning or every night intentionally doing and practicing these things. And it's, it's yeah. like your process um, because you, yeah. you start to look at it in a completely different way. Um, so, so I, I thank you for doing that. And your, your book that you guys wrote, um, you and Kevin Jones, The Premeditated mm-hmm. Selling, uh, that is yeah. really important for uh, people that are in business to try to think about how to create value and, and position themselves in the market. So I really recommend that as well. And just because well, I know you, you personally, it's, it, it is your core and it is really what you believe and what you wrote about. So um, thank you for that. How did that become... Well, sure. Can you share a little bit about um, how that book kind of evolved? Well, sure. I mean, it was a gift. Uh, it really was. We were had been working for a number of years, and uh, our clients were asking us to do some postmortems. In other words, a postmortem is when a major opportunity was lost, and they need to figure out why. Mm-hmm. And um, we were actually brought in to interview the sales representative, and then we'd go in and interview the customer. And uh, there was a process that went along with that. And as a result of doing those interviews, those those post-mortems, we started learning a lot about what's happening out in the marketplace today and the common assumptions that sales representatives are making. And in fact, the original title for the book was supposed to be, Are You Still Blaming Price? (laughs) Um, Because it was the reasons, number one reasons why when you ask a sales representative, why did you lose a sale? They would almost always say, we lost because of price. Well, we come to find out during our interview process that that wasn't the case. So we had a lot of data. We started writing on uh, publishing articles on this. And the um, ASTD, the American Society of Training Development, which is now the Association for uh, uh, Talent and Talent Development, um, came to us and said, hey, we love what you've been writing. Uh, Have you ever thought about writing a book? And as a young entrepreneur, we, you know, it's always in our mind today, it'd be nice to have a book someday. Well, we were given a gift here. And the gift was saying, hey, you put the words on the paper, we'll take care of all the marketing, all the publishing, all the editing, and um, we'll do it all for you. Wow. So it was a real gift. So we, we jumped on it. And we simply went back into our notes, took a lot of the postmortems, a lot of the stories that we had collected, and we put it into a framework that uh, thus became the book that... Um, ASTD at the time uh, wanted it titled, which was called Premeditated Selling. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and so we published the book. Yeah, so that's how it kind of came about. But it, it, was, it was purely a gift, based upon the work that we were doing in the market. Mm-hmm. So now I know what what you all are doing. Um, you know, from a professional level, the using the internet, right? The all the access that we have today with technology, sure. uh, and LinkedIn, and you all are doing webinars and training on a lot of these concepts. And so I think it's really important to understand as you develop a concept, a theory, you know, it's about connecting to the people that really appreciate the value that you're bringing and then and helping you explore what's next, right? Because in the beginning, it was we're doing this because we find that it has a purpose for us. And now you were connected to an organization that thought this was much bigger. And now there's there's the internet and, and LinkedIn and, and things that are having you 
have the opportunity to connect with people that really need that training and need to hear that message. So mm-hmm. what do you think is next? I mean, as far as, you know, the technology, things that you may be working on, um, just from a professional level, are there things that you're exploring um, that are kind of, you know, the, the next step? Well, I, I think that any any entrepreneur, or frankly, any company today, is always has to ask themselves that same question: What is next? And I think in order to stay relevant in the market to which you're in, you always have to kind of be reinventing yourself in that in that way. So I think it's important that we don't get stuck in in our in our trap and kind of stuck in that rut. So for us, yeah, we, we are looking at ways to leverage new technology, leverage the technology that's out there in a new way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the pendulum for learning has been swinging back and forth the last 20 years that, you know, nobody's ever going to be coming to a classroom training. Uh, so everything's going to be put online and, and computer-based training and this kind of stuff. And then it kind of swings all the way back, simply saying, well, technology isn't there yet. You know, Internet training just doesn't work because it's too didactic and people don't learn simply from sitting in front of a computer. Skills need to be done, you know, in groups. And now the, now the pendulum's kind of swinging back a little bit more towards center. <laughs> so we've been watching this for a long time mm-hmm. and um, trying to meet the, meet the market where they are. But uh, there's no doubt. I mean, technology is going to be driving uh, a lot of training in the future. Mm-hmm. And uh, we need to be willing to adapt uh, and change and uh, and even challenge our own own conventional wisdom, our own conventional thinking. Mm-hmm. So that's something Kevin and I are looking at uh, now. And um, we've we've moved in that direction. We have a number of e-learning solutions today, uh, but um, and they're meeting the needs of our clients. But I think we have to start looking five years out, three three to five years out. Start saying what are people going to be looking for three to five years from now. So mm-hmm. we've actually partnered with William and Mary University, the College of William and Mary down in Williamsburg. To, uh, to do a marketing study uh, for us uh, to individuals in, in, the, uh, in, the, in, the, in the industry. In fact, you might actually be, be contacted by them because your name is <laughs> on the list. <laughs> but just, just ask those questions. You know, where do you think technology is going? How are you going to be making your decisions? What are you going to be looking for from a decision criteria standpoint? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're trying to get our, get our kind of ducks in a row, but uh, we're doing a little bit of uh, marketing research through, uh, through William & Mary right mm-hmm. now. To, to identify that. So would you say, and, and I think about, you know, as, as you've been a leader in this space for 20 plus years, what, what do you think has been the biggest change? Is it the technology or is it, uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what would you say is the biggest yeah. change? Well, I, I think that's a that's a broad question. What's changed in in the industry? I think you'd have to look at, when you, if you're looking at the training industry, I think, you know, Sales, sales training, training sales people, and training sales managers and sales leaders. I think some of the biggest things that have changed is, is no doubt is the fact that technology is having a greater impact than it, than it was just five years ago. Mm-hmm. So people have to adapt and leverage technology. But the other thing I think that we're seeing right now is that organizations um, are are their budgets for this type of training. Um, are being monitored in a different way. If, in fact, you can demonstrate value, going back to the word we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. if you can demonstrate the value and the learning that you're bringing to the company and how it aligns to the business results that they're striving to achieve, they'll always find money for you. If, in fact, the training that an organization brings to a company is simply just 
there to help build competence around a particular skill set, it's often going to be put on the back burner. Right. Organizations that are in my space have to be able to prove to their customers how it actually drives business results. Mm -hmm. And if you can't make that link in a very direct and measurable fashion, you're probably going to have a hard time. And the organizations have really been tightening in on that, I'd say, over the last three to three years at least. Mm -hmm. And so, because budgets are just tighter. So, yeah, there's a, there's two a, things. well, and there's a lot that's changing, you know, in, in industry. Um, like you said, with all the, the electronic technology, you know, there's a lot of internal things that are happening that, you know, we have Facebook live, right? People can do things more yeah. on yeah. their own personal, um, equipment, uh, to do, to right. influence, you know, things within the organization. And so that training aspect is, is really important, um, is, what is the value is that it brings in and will it change the behavior? So, um, but I think your, your programs, I can kind of speak to it, but your programs really do identify that that is a solution that can, can really influence and, and help kind of drive that process. So, um, so thank you for sharing that. I know we were talking about sure. so many personal things and, but I, I feel so compelled to deliver this message because it's powerful and everybody wants to be successful and everybody wants to understand the secret, right? <laughs> the secret no to doubt. how you get it done and, uh, and your way that you found work, but it, but it came through your personal beliefs. And so I want to go back to kind of, you know, what you believed about yourself early in your life and, and how you, you know, when you deal with stress and you're thinking about the beliefs that you have and what you want to accomplish, um, how does that help you when you are faced with stress? Now you're moving, you've got a lot of things going on in the company, but from a personal standpoint, how would you kind of tell our listeners about the leadership qualities, beliefs tied to stress and handling stress? Yeah, for me, it's a very personal journey. And, and, and some people who may be listening to this may be right in tune with this and others may not. But for me, I ever since I was a young kid, I mean, I relied very heavily on my faith. I was brought up in the church by my mom and dad, and for that I'm grateful. As an adult, I'm extremely grateful for that, because it, 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 I do lean on my faith when, when times are stressful, when times are difficult, and I do find peace, and I find answers, and I find you know, resolve in the midst of conflict or stress uh, because of my personal belief and my faith in Christ. So that's kind of an important thing to me is my faith. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we are dealt all kinds of uh, joys and difficulties in life, and it's, it's, it's great to give thanks, and it's also great to be able to have uh, that faith to lean on in the times of, uh, of difficulty. Mm -hmm. um, you know, life is, life is hard, and uh, from time to time it gets even harder. And it was difficult, but, uh, you know, my, my, one of my greatest mentors is my father. You know, we lost him suddenly. I mean, just in a blink of an eye, he went in for a knee operation for a knee replacement and never came off the table. Mm -hmm. And you just, you don't expect things like that. And then, you know, just a few years before that, we lost my mom in a car accident. Mm -hmm. So when you, when you are dealt blows like that, um, and those are both very tragic, obviously, but you're able to manage uh, through stress, through difficulties and change. I think when you have 
faith or something you believe in that's greater than yourself or greater than uh, what's happening in your life at this moment. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> so that's absolutely that's kind of my personal point. Well, and thank you for sharing that. And and so I would kind of want to keep going with that and just talk about, you know, sure. n- not not so much the the sadness of that, but the what no, no. personally, you know, any failures that you we talk about failing forward a lot in leadership classes mm-hmm. and yeah. so so tied to that, you know, what would what would you teach or have a teaching moment for something that you really thought into, really experienced as this is, you know, I'm putting all my energy into this and it failed. And then what did you learn from that? <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean I there are just so many of those failures in life that I, I that I laugh at and uh you know, you try to learn from those things. But you know, I've been an entrepreneur now since uh for what is it, since two thousand and one for seventeen years. Mm-hmm. Um so uh, and you can imagine, you know, leaving the corporate world and going off on your own, um, you will have difficulties in life and you'll have challenges and things that you're going to have to adjust and changes you're, you're going to need to make in your life and in your family's life because of decisions that you've made. And I can't tell you how many times over the last 17 years, particularly early on, where I'm like going, oh, my gosh, did I make the right decision for my family mm-hmm. for me to leave this corporate, this corporate world, and uh, the comfort of a steady paycheck. <laughs> so, uh, but I think that um, I like the term "fail forward." I've heard that many a times, but I think you know, to me, what that really means is the fact that once you do fail, it is so critically important to think about why did it happen? Could it have been avoided? And let's face it, not all failures, not everything, can be avoided. Uh, 9/11 happened. Guess what? When 9/11 happened, that was in a, that was something outside of the control that I had on how my clients were choosing to do business. Right. Well, that's a factor. But could I have been better prepared for that? Yes, I think I could have. My business could have been better prepared to have managed such a catastrophic impact on on the corporate industry. But I, I had to learn from that. Now I was very young. I was very new into my company. But I still could have um, done some things that would have um, maybe managed that a little bit differently. So therefore, I had to learn from that. I had to say, okay, it's going to be so critically important that I reach out for people as soon as I can. Don't let time go by. Let me touch base with those clients. Let me establish those relationships with them now so that when they do face difficult times, I'm not reaching out for them and coming, kind of coming out of the blue or, as we sometimes say in this industry, I'm not shopping hungry. Mm-hmm. Okay, we all know what happens when we go through the grocery store and we're hungry. <laughs> we end up, you know, making bad decisions. So, um, but yeah, so we don't we, we don't want to be in that position where we're actually shopping for business hungry and start making some bad decisions or be desperate. But I think failing forward is all about learning from the the mistakes that you have, assessing what happened and assessing what can I learn from this and what processes do I need to put in place or behavior changes do I need to make to avoid this from happening again? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of them. That's a great teaching and, and because, you know, you don't just fail once and it's all about yeah. being able to sit back, assess that and make those appropriate changes and yeah. really understand how that's going to help you the next step uh, to really be a little bit more aware 
you know, of everything as it's mm-hmm. happening uh, so that you can learn and, and grow from that. And I think that's one of the pieces that I hear a lot of, of my coaching clients, you know, they, it's, it's a fear that paralyzes them, right? Paralyzing through change. And, right. and you go, but it's okay not to know what's going to happen next. And so being open to those possibilities and kind of, if you, I think you would talk about strategically designing, right, the next mm-hmm. right thing that you feel could, could help, you know, avoid um, the things that you learned the last time. And so having that confidence uh, and understanding that it's okay not to have it all go 100% to plan, <laughs> uh, you know. And, and no and, doubt. Yeah. Now, I also think that it's important to kind of circle back to some, just circling back to some things we talked about earlier that when you are assessing um, the failure, the, the, the things that didn't go well for you, having a mentor, somebody to whom you can trust, ask you questions that challenges your conventional wisdom, your conventional thinking about a problem, and being open and honest in your response, I think is what really does help drive change. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when we sit back and we try to analyze why did something happen and we try to do that on our own, we can't be nearly as successful as if I had somebody asking and playing devil's advocate or challenging my thinking and me being open to that. One of the gifts that I have in my business partner, Kevin, is that we, you know, we, we can go back and forth. He can challenge my thinking. I may not always like the questions he's asking, but I know that he's asking because it's going to be for my own good. And I have to wrestle with the questions that he's asking me and then give it some very careful consideration and then think about what am I going to do about it. Mm-hmm. And so it's important for us to have those people in our lives that, that, that can challenge us. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you push each other. And I, I've taught this so many times, especially on these podcasts. But, you know, I, I teach the law of the rubber band, you know, where it says once you stretch yourself – you can never go back to that original state. And and so right. I think I see you in your journey. You really, you know, made this an intentional plan of we don't know what might be next, but as we learn, we experience it, we change, and we grow. And we're never going to go back, but we're always going to reflect and bring that, that knowledge forward to help us make that next decision. And, um, Correct. And so I love, I love just hearing your story and um, – in the process that you followed through it. And it's, it's so great to know, you know, a, a theory or a company or a program that works and you've seen it be successful, but understanding the kind of the brains behind it and how you're connected to it personally, uh, it really, it really does kind of bring it all together. So I, I really thank you. Well, for I really that. appreciate, well, absolutely. And I really appreciate what you're doing with this as well. I, th- I think that, you know, this, this whole podcast that you're doing, Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 is so critically important. And you're kind of living out, you know, exactly, um, you, you yourself are living out exactly kind of what Everyday Leaders are all about. It's that old proverb um, that, that says, you know, iron, sharp, or iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And so, you know, you, you're doing that through this podcast, and I thank you for that. Yeah, and I think you. that others need, need, to, need to kind of realize that it's through these types of things we all can grow. 
And it's that old proverb, iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another. And I appreciate you kind of sharpening me and allowing me to pass on whatever wisdom I might have that might sharpen others. Absolutely. Well, you're welcome. I I thank you for being on my journey. It's um, like I said, it's been amazing. We've stayed connected. And I when I came up with this crazy idea, you said, I'll be a part of it with you. (laughs) So so I thank you for that. But, um, well, I know that you are on a tight schedule, and I just so much appreciate you, Steve. I appreciate our friendship, and I know that we're going to be connected for life, as I say, but it's it's really true with you. And uh, all the best of success with Ignite Selling and all the things that you're doing around the world. Um, If it's okay, I'd love to be able to kind of push this out social media and I'll connect all of your, your books and your webinars and things to it. And, uh, and hopefully, you know, as my journal, everyday leaders becomes uh, a, my first book, you'll be in there as a chapter. So people can connect to your history, connect to your story and, uh, the leadership summit that happens March 2nd in 2019. Hopefully you can come up to Indianapolis and be a part of that as well. Cause I think, you can teach uh, people a lot, <laughs> just your personal Well, I journey. look forward to that. Yeah. Well, thank you for the invitation. Yeah, I will definitely uh, be working towards attending that, uh, that, uh, that, that summit as well. That's awesome. Well, have a great 2018. Good luck on your, the sale of your house and your move, and I'm, I know that we'll be in touch. I look forward to it, Melanie. Thanks again for inviting me to this, uh, on this journey with you. You're welcome. Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 Leadership Summit is coming to Indianapolis, Saturday, March 2nd, 2019. Join me along with the 50 and 50 guest from Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 podcast. This exclusive event will take place at the beautiful New Fields Indianapolis Museum of Art on Saturday, March 2nd, 2019. You won't want to miss this one-of-a-kind leadership workshop where you will personally engage with these 50 leaders and learn how to apply their strategies to live your life with success. Don't miss this opportunity. You can be a part of this exclusive inaugural leadership summit here in Indianapolis, March 2nd, 2019. Early bird registration begins on April 20th, 2018. Remember, there's limited space available, so reserve your spot now. If you know of anyone that would be interested in sponsoring this exclusive event, please have them contact me directly at make at makeconnectionsforlife.com. Thank you for following the podcast of Everyday Leaders 50 and 50.